What's up, Itty Bitty Committee? Welcome to another episode of the Itty Bitty Podcast. My name is Perry Phillips. Um, This week on the show, we talk about hip-hop. So, big fan of hip-hop. I've been into it for a long time. So, we have a special guest. um, His name's Jimmy the Human, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about how he got into hip-hop, you know, couple different things about what you know where he got started where he's where he's at now um so it's a really cool interview if you're into that type of thing uh, make sure you check it out and if you've been digging the show make sure you subscribe rate review and share share the shit out of the show tell all your friends um but remember this is not a hip-hop podcast it's the itty bitty podcast it's anything but and it starts now welcome to the itty bitty So we're rolling, and my guest this week on the Itty Bitty Podcast is rapper Jimmy the Human. So Jimmy, thanks for coming on and talking to my listeners. Um, you were one of the first people that actually reached out to me when I got the podcast started, so I had kind of kept you on the back burner, and uh, once I kind of figured out how to get um, my remote podcast situation figured out, I wanted to get you on the phone and um, talk to you a little bit. I was digging your music, so thanks for coming on. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me, man. So uh, where are you from again? I'm from Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. So that's where you're, you're, you're out of? That's where your music is out of? <clears throat> uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So I do everything out of Portland. Um, I've lived here most of my life. And, you know, it's a pretty small city. There's only 70,000 people in the city of Portland. But it's it's up and coming. There's a high demand to, to live here right now. It's very diverse, very rich in the arts. Um, and, and I think there, there's an opportunity for me to, to uh, make a living off music here. I just got to just keep working my ass off, you know. And then did you get into hip-hop while living in Portland? Or how did you kind of get into the hip-hop scene? Yeah, so when I was like five or six, I started listening to 50 Cent, uh, Chingy, <laughs> Eminem. Those were like the, the first three rappers that I really fucked with. Okay. And I just memorized all the words to you know songs in their CDs and stuff. And that, that was how I, I first started listening. You know, and then in middle school, I started writing um high school started freestyling and it's just it's just been a very natural progression um you know now i'm at the point where it's it's definitely what i want to do for for a living you know i've, I've released 30 songs this year alone and so, how long have you been doing it oh man um so i started recording in 2015 but you know, and that was when I realized, like, this is probably what I want to do. And it's just been a matter of changing that mindset from this is what I want to do to this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, there's a huge difference there. It's very hard to be your own boss. But 
the summer of 2015, so about four years ago, I I guess I, I started doing it, but I, I was being lazy. You know, I'd only do a few songs a year. Right. Um, and about a year ago, I really started working my ass off. Well, I'd have to imagine if you're like in hip hop as an independent artist, that you're not only, you know, you're the artist, but you're also your promoter. You're, um, I mean, you, you probably outsource your beats though, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, it, it definitely depends. There, there are some beats that I make that, that are co-produced. Um, but a lot of the times I will, I will, what's called lease a uh, beat. You just, you just buy it. Basically, a producer has it in his beat store, and so you know, you pay like twenty bucks or whatever, and um, and then I just get to use the music. Or what I like better is when there's no financial exchange. I reach out to the dude. I say, "Yo, um, I like this instrumental, but I want to change X, Y, Z. And if you work with me, I'll put your name in the song title next to mine. You know, and we'll split oh, the okay. royalties." Kind of work that's, together. Yeah, that's a much better model, I think, because then you get better music, you know, if you just collaborate on the song in general. And now do you, being, I'm I'm originally from New England, that's where I grew up, I'm out on the West Coast now, but uh, originally from Massachusetts, now do you, are you somebody who ventures out from Portland, or are you just basically, since you're still fairly new, are you just kind of getting some getting your resume up and kind of sticking around portland or do you have plans to kind of expand throughout new england and and further on i'm going to stay in portland right now because it's again it's an up-and-coming city and business is booming around here um a lot of money is coming into the city right now and I think for that reason alone, it's a good place to stay, but you know, property values increasing. Um, and, and honestly, I just love it here so much. Um, I really, really love this place. I don't see myself leaving for a while. I think I want to try and make it happen where I'm at. Nice. Well, a lot of times smaller market, you have a better, you know, better opportunity to, to connect more with your fans and stuff locally. So I think that's, yeah. that's a really cool. Yeah, uh, Definitely. So when you first are getting into hip hop, you said you listened to 50 Cent, um, we said Eminem, um, so you had a couple of different influences and stuff. Is there any specific, you know, point where you, you realized that you wanted to be making hip hop? Because I know you said that you decided that you wanted to do it um, full time. Is there a point when you said where you actually realized that you wanted to do it full time? Yeah. So I was home. I had just gotten home from college for the summer. And so this is May of 2015. And me and my buddy were uh, smoking dabs on my back deck. And I was super duper baked. And so my parents said they were going to be gone for a few hours. And, you know, they weren't cool with me smoking at this time. You know, I'm like 18, 19 at the time. And so then... They came, they said, you know, again, they said they were going to be home for a few hours. Me and my homie just on the back deck in real lake. And then like five or 10 minutes after we were done smoking, my parents came home. I guess their plans got canceled or something. So they came right back home and oh my God, dude, it was so hard to talk to them. And I, I just, you know, I tried to get through it and they asked me like how, if I was happy 
at college and stuff and i was not at all i was studying business you know i, I don't give a fuck about business but <laughs> they were having this conversation with me like all about my future what i want to do with my future and so i was just brutally honest with them way more honest than i would normally be if i was sober and i just told them like, honestly you know what? like i love music and i love i like to rap and that's really the only thing i enjoy i, I kind of hate business and business school and they were so they, they handled it so much better than I thought they would. And we ended up having this really, really good conversation for like two hours about my future. And I decided I wasn't going to go back to college. I was going to stay in Portland um, and, and see where this music thing takes me. Do you think you would have had that conversation if you weren't wrecked off those dabs? I don't think I would have, no. <laughs> so, hey, there you go. There's a little PSA for the good things that dabs can do for you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, for some reason, I, I like taking dabs, but I've, I've chilled on taking dabs before podcasts just because it's, it's hard to <laughs> form sentences when you're trying to, when you're dabbed out and shit. So, but yeah, I agree. I agree. I haven't I actually haven't smoked in like a month, but I'm, I, I love weed and I like to, I like working with it. You know, like I've, I, uh, I do some trimming, um, you know, I trim, I trim bud and it's, you know, it's good money. So is, people it, is, uh, is the, you know, weed part of your process as far as like creatively writing and all that stuff? Yeah. It, it depends on the song. I, I do most of my music sober. I'll tell you one thing. I'm most of the time, if I'm thinking of lyrics, I'm probably not thinking of anything too great if I'm high. Right. Um, most of my most of my best lyrics are my my usable lyrics are, are written sober but what i can do when i'm baked is come up with flows and melodies you know like if i hear a beat i can just and i'm high i'll just like get into that state of non-thinking and I, you know, I can just flow on you know flow on shit that's what the weed's good for for me at least nice so as far as uh performing what how do you are you have you performed are you you know currently performing are you you know working stuff out what's um what can you tell me about that stuff yeah yeah i've definitely been performing um so i'm the second most played rapper in the state of maine um the guy above me had, had a single that went gold uh, he released it about 10 years ago. And so that has just grown his fan base to like an unbelievable level. You know, he's got this huge cult following. Um, and so, but, but I'm second. And so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, you know, but I definitely want to be first. And also it's fucking Maine we're talking about. Like, you know, um, there's a shit ton of rappers here and I respect them. I, you know, I pay homage to them, but like, really you know it's not massachusetts it's not new york it's you know being second in a big state but you know a state uh, with more people and, and more of a scene would actually mean something but to, to answer your question long story short yeah you know i definitely have enough fans to put on shows like i, I recently performed at a venue in portland called bolfinis and they said we packed it more than they've ever seen um on that night so so that was pretty cool um and and I, I'm spacing out. I don't I don't perform too too often because I think a lot of artists make uh, the tactical error of of performing all the time, and then it's like it's not special, you know. Like if they're 
if you perform fucking 20 times a year in the same fucking city, same state, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's just not, there's no appeal. It's kind of like, yeah, no, I was just going to say, it's kind of like when Netflix puts out, you know, comedy specials every, there's like six of them a week and, and, you know, it kind of takes away the appeal of it being special. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. So what do you, I mean, performing aside well not performing aside but what do you what part do you prefer more do you prefer to do the performances live and kind of be there with the fans or do you prefer the the creative side where you're you know writing recording and all that stuff oh that's a tough call you know i like to perform i really do I would say performing is better. Being with my fans is like the best feeling ever, dude. Um, I fucking love hanging out with my fans. Um, like I went to a house party recently in, in Standish, which is like a, a smaller, more rural town in Portland. Like, like I said, city is pretty densely packed with people. But I was at this house party like 30, 40 minutes out west and... I didn't realize I had a lot of fans out there and it was just so, it was so nice to, to meet them all and just talk to them. You know, they tell me what their favorite songs are and just find out about their lives, you know, um, find out who, who they are and you know what, what, yeah, who the people are that are fucking making this thing move, making it happen. Um, so I have to say there's meeting my fans. There's no, there's no feeling like that, you know? Um, but God, I love recording too. Dude, that's a really tough situation. I'll answer it like this. Um, my plan for the next year or so, maybe even a couple years, is to record more than I perform. Because if I keep recording and my Spotify numbers keep growing and the, and the Spotify revenue keeps growing, then I'll f- have enough money to tour with a live band. And so, cause when I go on tour, I don't want to fuck. I, uh, I'm not a big fan of the rap shows where it's just a guy and a mic. It's right. like, to me, like that's not enough. Your, your fans came out here to see you. If they wanted to hear you yell into a mic and you know, everybody put your hands up. Like, I mean, I've been to good rap shows where it's just the rapper and the microphone, but like the live band, bro, like that shit is so sick. So that's, that's what I want for my, you know what I mean? I want my live performance to be like a real experience, you know, guitar solos, right. bass solos, nice. you know what I'm saying? Backup singers. Yeah. So kind of that's so your, your goal for the next couple of years is to just kind of get to where you can get those live performances really live with a live band. And uh, that's, cool. yes, Absolutely. It gives people a better show too. I think when you do it with a live band, so that's yeah, not a lot of people like even put in the consideration to want to do that. So that's really cool. Um, I did want to ask you um, not to jump around too too much, but we kind of get off subject on this show a lot. But um, <laughs> I did want to ask about your YouTube channel. Um, I've checked out a few of your different videos, so. What, I mean, what's the process like for that? I know in this this age, you can reach so many more people with, you know, for a while, music videos were really popular when I was young. You know, I'm 30 years old right now. When, I'm, when I was younger, 
music videos were everywhere. You know, you'd get out of school, mm. run home, watch TRL, see which music video was playing, and then they kind of yeah. went away. But now with YouTube, you kind of have that um, resurgence of music videos. And, and so is that something that you try to use as a tool or is that something more that's, you know, for your fans where you can kind of communicate with them and, and then give them, you know, more of a creative um, uh, side piece to go with the, the music or whatever? You know, on January 1st of this year, I, I decided I was going to do a bi-weekly song series. Every two weeks, I was going to release a song, and I was going to have a video to go with it. And so I stuck to that. I did it all the way from January 1st to September 9th, which was my birthday this year. And the reason I did that and the reason I did those videos was, uh, A, discipline. I knew that I was capable of making a shit ton of music and doing it in, in a timely fashion. Um, and so I wanted to, you know, regiment my schedule, make, make a structured schedule that guarantees, um, me, me dropping plenty of music. And my other thing was to get my name out there more. I wanted to see how many fans I could accumulate off of YouTube and it's been a cool experience. It's been really a pretty amazing experience because, um, like my biggest, uh, my biggest song on YouTube, you know, now has like two hundred and seven thousand views, which I think is might even be a little bit more than my biggest song on Spotify. Um, so, so it's definitely there is definitely possibility. There's room to grow on YouTube, but I'm just worried about the future of YouTube. I don't, I don't know where you know they seem to be headed in a. In a, in a weird kind of a murky place like i don't know if you've heard anything about this but no what do you they, mean by that so a lot of people are like a lot of content creators on youtube are struggling for views it seems um and that's that's just a personal observation a personal opinion um seems that you know if they don't pay money to get their songs out there they're not going to get out there i really believe it takes a shit ton of money to get a youtube channel off the ground um you know your content has to be good but then on top of that you really have to have um a lot of money because there, there's an unbelievable amount of competition you know so many different people want to want to make it happen on youtube um and the other problem is with censorship YouTube is getting very strict. I think I it's have very, heard stuff about that. Yeah, very politically correct. So, you know, they're making it harder and harder for, for those of us with profanity in our music to to earn money off YouTube. Even if we did get a solid following, it's like, well, what's the incentive really? You you know, you're gonna sink five, six, ten, twelve thousand dollars into your YouTube channel, you know, and get let's say you worked your ass off, released a lot of shit and you got like a hundred thousand subscribers. But then all of a sudden, you know, YouTube decides, well, if you use any curse words, we're going to demonetize you completely. Yeah. Well, there goes my entire fucking portfolio. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so it's, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's, it's really, I think risky to, to get into right yeah. now, you know? It's kind of like if it's it's a good way to spread the word, but it's not a something that you would rely on. Is kind of what I'm getting out of that. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's too bad because I think a lot of people listen to music 
on solely on YouTube. Like some people, some of my fans have told me like, Oh, I just listen to you on YouTube. Like I don't listen to you anywhere else. And I'm like, well, fuck man. Like that's, that blows because that means they're, they're going to miss out. You know, if I stop dropping videos, they're going to miss out. Um, so yeah, it's tricky, man. But. All right. I have a two part question for you for this next one. So my first right. part of the question is going to be, uh, what is your favorite hip hop beef of all time? And then the second, <laughs> the second part of that question will be, um, alive or dead. If you could get into a hip hop beef with any artist, who would it be? Oh shit. Okay. So the first question is my favorite. You're saying beef, right? B E E F. Yeah. So like, you okay. know, famous, you know, uh, yeah. Tupac, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, dude, probably my favorite. Okay. Sorry. Just need a couple seconds here. No, that's fine. Um, fucking funny to watch mgk just get absolutely destroyed by eminem i thought that was a hilarious hip-hop beef because it it was just it was just such a lopsided match yeah and that one kind of came out of nowhere too so that was kind of i like that one. yeah yeah i loved that kill shot was unbelievable the other one i like too that was kind of fun that was like not one that anybody got shot or hurt in but when Ja Rule bought a bunch of tickets for, uh, or not Ja Rule, 50 Cent bought a bunch of tickets for Ja Rule's show, like for the front row, so people just would be empty. So that show was funny too. That was one of my favorites. Dude, when I heard about that, oh my God, that was one of the funniest that's fucking pet, days. That's like the pettiest shit you can do. Uh, oh my God, yeah, I thought that shit was so funny, bro. Yeah, wow, what a what a great idea for 50 Cent. Just that concept is hilarious. Um, man, favorite. That's, I mean, the Biggie and Tupac stuff is all, obviously, you know, I, I went like everybody did. I went through a huge phase with it where, like, you know, I was really obsessed. I'm like, oh, dude, is Tupac alive? You know, that whole thing. Um, so, so that that would probably have to be my top, at least up there. Um, trying to think. Oh, Drake and Meek Mill was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, that was one Meek Mill kind of, you know, disip- well, he was in jail for a while and then he kind of came back. And because he was in jail, I think everybody kind of forgot that he, you know, lost that, that mini beef to Drake. And then he actually came back and he still puts out some fire shit. I still listen to some Meek Mill shit, but. Yeah. Now him and Drake are doing songs together, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rick Ross, uh, you ever heard the song "Idols Become Rivals"? Rick Ross and he, and he's rapping about the Birdman. No. Or Birdman, dude. So it's called "Idols Become Rivals," um, and this the song title pretty much speaks for itself. But he's just talking about how Birdman screwed over everybody on his label, like just totally fucked him over and kept all the money for himself. Um, and so that, that was a really good song and it's funny to think about how everybody in the game hates Birdman now. Um, it's, what's really interesting is when you break it down, there is an 
unbelievable amount of beef in hip hop. Like you could pretty much go to any of the goats or most of them, like Jay Z, Nas, uh, fucking Jay Z, Kanye West. It's like, dude, there's so much beef, and I think the reason I really believe that hip hop is the most egotistical genre to ever exist. Well, it's the only, I think it's the only genre where you have people that have songs about being the best. Like, you don't hear country singers singing about being, you know, the the number one country singer or, um, you know, anything like that. Like, they don't talk about spitting hot fire and shit like that. They just, right. It's just, so it's just, yeah, it's one of those unique things that, that's part of the reason I like it so much because it's just, it gets you pumped up for shit when you listen to it. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's just crazy how it's so fucking ego-influenced. Um, the NWA beefs are pretty cool, too. Um, but yeah, man, probably Biggie Park for now. And if I could get into a rap beef with anybody, oh my God, that's so hard. Um, dude... <sighs> Fucking R. Kelly. Because <laughs> everybody already hates him. Yeah, and I guess that's, that's like, win-win. Abused, like sexually abused chicks. That'd be kind of cool. Just like diss him and he like comes back. and Yeah. You know, because that'd be, that'd, be, that'd be a battle you win every time, right? He would come back and um, she would like a 10-minute song from inside the closet again. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably him. Probably R. Kelly. Uh, I would totally fucking be, have a beef with Logic, though. Logic, for sure. Oh yeah, dude, hundred percent. Ah, for what reason? Well, so, oh, I used to be like his biggest fan, dude, like his biggest fucking fan. Uh, back when in like the early two thousand ten, like that area, he um, he released the Young Sinatra mixtapes, and they were lyrically so much better than his new stuff. His new stuff, I just personally feel like there's no content. Is he's not is not saying anything in with his lyrics, and it kind of drives me insane. He and go, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say he puts out a lot. It's hard to get excited when a new Logic album comes out because he just puts out so much shit. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean is whatever, but. It's just again the lyrics are you. Usually, there's just no fucking story. There's no substance. It's like it, it just really. My issue with it is that it feels like he's not trying at all, and it really drives me nuts. But so, so it sounds like you should write up? a. It sounds like you should write a diss track. I did actually. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I released it too. It's a whole song dissing Logic, but then I deleted it because it's so much worse than all the other shit I have out. <laughs> it's just you know it's just so much less good <laughs> right um but the the thing that really irks me um about logic i guess is his manager had a meeting so this would have been i believe april of 2017 so his manager meets with uh joiner lucas and joiner lucas's manager and at this time joiner was way smaller you know way way smaller and logic was already pretty fucking huge and joiner was talking about how logic is like he, an influence of his he he wants to like go on tour with logic and logic's manager you know kind of excited about the idea so you know things are going well at this meeting um joiner's happy and so logic asked them joiner about what he's been working on so this is right before joiner lucas released his his album 
And so he showed Logic's manager his whole album, you know, showed him a bunch of the videos, etc. And the the title of that album by Joyner Lucas was the phone number for a suicide hotline. Dude, oh, I think it was shit. two or three weeks later, right before Joyner dropped his album, Logic released a song, the fucking song that has made him more money, gotten him more fans, right. more fame than anything else in his entire fucking career, more than it ever will. And he released that right before Joyner released his album. Like, dude, that is the sleaziest bullshit I've ever heard. Like that, and that just made me so fucking angry. Like, because he just stepped on a little guy like that. And all Logic had to do was be like, "Yo, thank you so much, Joiner, for inspiring me. Like, inspiring that idea, right. you know, or pay him off a lot of money." But it wasn't like that. And so then Joiner actually spoke out against Logic. Um, and yeah, and they had like a little mini beef going on at one point. I don't I know actually, if you ever heard about that. No, I never heard about that. I'm a, a big Joiner Lucas fan. Cause again, I'm yeah, from Massachusetts, so you're from Maine, so I'm sure you're probably a fan Hell too. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I, I know his engineer pretty well, Brian Knox. Like he goes to this guy's house to record his stuff and Knox like makes all his beats and shit. Um, but, but anyways, Joiner, so so that just really upset me, and and they ended up making amends because you know I don't know if you've heard the song Isis, but it's got Logic and Joiner on it. I don't know if um, I've heard that. So since their beef, they have a song together. Okay, um, so they kind of worked it out. Yeah, I was gonna say I think Joiner's so. gonna be all right. I mean, he's he's super talented. Yeah, I mean, he ended up you know blowing up anyway because of I'm not racist. You know, right? Yeah, got the no. Grammy nomination from that song. You know, I ended up working with Eminem and shit, but. Um, but yeah, dude, just so, so that would be why I would choose logic for a rap beef. Nice. (laughs) I think that's a good one. Yeah. That was a good, I mean, good reason behind it. And so, yeah, I think that's a legit, um, legit rap beef. Good answer for sure. Um, so where do you usually, as far as like the creative process comes from, what, where do you usually get inspiration from your songs? Like, are you, you know, are you more somebody who raps about things that are personal to you? Or are you somebody who just kind of raps about the day to day? Like what ki- what type of stuff uh, can people expect if they listen to you? Yeah, a- anything anything on that spectrum. Um, sometimes I rap. All my shit is very personal to me. You know, like like when I when I if I wrote it and I was willing to put it in a song. It's probably because I really wanted to say it or it's on my mind a lot, Um, you know, or or I want to say it in real life, but I can't. So I put it in a song. Um, Yeah, I would say my rap is very personal, but in terms of subject matter, man, it totally varies. Like I wrote a song called Rusty. This is an old ass joint, but this whole song is about a fucking house cat, like a pet cat. And it's it, the song is um, an allegory, and for those listening, an allegory is basically just like an analogy in the form of a story. So the the house cat Rusty looks out looks out into his backyard, um, wonders what it would be like to be an outdoor cat to just run free in the wild, and he dreams about it at night, and it's what he wants to do, but he's too scared to leave the house because he doesn't know how it's going to be out in the wild. And so eventually he, he works up the courage. He sees like the, one of the doors in the house open just to crack. 
and he sprints and runs out of the house. Um, and in the song, he ends up dying. Uh, like a couple weeks later, he ends up dying, you know, because he didn't have any shelter or anything, you know. He uh, probably, you know, food was very limited out in the wild. But the point, but the point is, what's the last line of the song? Uh, a week later, Rusty passed away. Living conditions were treacherous. But Rusty smiled as he passed, knowing that he was a lucky one. Most cats never get to live. That's the last line of the song. And, you know, so it's like, dude, it's way, way, way better to die knowing that you fucking try to do what you love than to live some miserable existence, with, you know, working some job you fucking hate. Right. So, yeah. Um, and so as far as, like, you know some of the newer stuff that's out there. Are there any, are there any new, like new artists that you kind of, um, that you dig that you've been listening to that not necessarily like our inspirations or anything like that, but just that you, that kind of like where they're going and, and that you think people should check out. Yes. Yeah. Token is my favorite artist of all time. Uh, he's also from Massachusetts. He's from Salem. Um, and do you know Token? I'm trying to think. The name sounds familiar, but I'm not sure if I do. Okay. So he actually uses the same audio engineer producer as Joyner Lucas. Um, and I think he's one of the best lyricists, uh, in the entire world right now, at least in hip hop. Um, I, I would highly recommend people check him out. Um, other artists that I fuck with. Hmm. I'll leave it a token for now. Okay. So earlier in the the conversation, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, the political correctness of YouTube. And um, I know hip hop has a kind of history of not necessarily being politically correct. Um, Do you think that hip hop now is more kind of not necessarily dangerous, like, physically dangerous i'm talking about dangerous as far as like what you can say and with cancel culture and all that stuff do you think that people are are kind of toning down the way that they they write hip-hop these days or do you think that it's you know people are kind of saying saying fuck that and doing it the way that they want to so i think in my city people are super politically correct and it's actually really sad because that that one rapper the biggest rapper in the state spose he has all these people that almost work under him and i think they they like always repost his songs when he releases them and like you know they like get features from him which they would probably have to pay for if i had to guess but they, it, it is like a political agenda to this group. You know what I mean? Like you have to have, you can't say certain things. You can't be misogynistic. You can't like, you know, you have to like follow their like footprints or else like you're not in their little click. And so I'm not in there. I'm not in their click because I don't follow those fucking footprints at all. I mean, if you listen to my music, which you have, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of profanity, a lot of vulgar, because I'm just like unloading all this shit that I can't say in the real world, but it fits well into a rap song. Um, So yeah, I definitely think political correctness is becoming a thing. And even just word choices, man, like there are certain words that 
people like rappers don't use in songs because they don't want people to dislike them. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Words to describe, whether it's a word to describe like a disabled person or word to describe, um, you know, it doesn't even matter. You, you know what words I'm thinking of. Um, but they won't use those because they think that, um, you know, they have less fans. People will disagree with them politically, which is probably true. Um, and I, there are certain words that I won't use out of respect. You know what I mean? But I have to stay true to myself. And, and I personally believe that um, the political correctness has gone way too far. So I, I won't limit. There are some, some things that I'm just not willing to compromise. And I've actually lost features. You know, I've lost collabs with artists because they don't, they don't want their name on that. And they think, you know what I mean? They think it's too far and that's their decision. I found that they were kind of quicker to slap explicit on like albums these days too. Um, mm. I was listening to something. There was one album I listened to. I think it was the Blanco Brown album. And I think he said fuck one time on the album. And I think they slapped it with an explicit content. And I'm like, it <laughs> used to be like you could get away with, you know, saying one or two things. And if you had shit about sex or drugs and, and other content like that, then they would slap an explicit content. But now it seems like you say one word and they put, they slap that on there. So, yep. um, so you, you're, you kind of have a unique flow as far as the way that you rap. Is that something that took you, I've always liked, you know, hip hop's one of my favorite forms of music. I just could never do it. I could never catch the beat. I could never do any of that stuff. And don't believe me, I tried. Um, is that something that, um, took you a while to get used to, or is that something that you just kind of came natural? Um, rhythm, I think has always come pretty naturally to me. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but I will say this, it, it is definitely a, a muscle that you build and a skill that you build when you improving your flow, like you get better and better and better at knowing where to put the syllables. And then the building the skill of objectivity is very important to be able to listen to your own music and be able to look at it closely enough and be like, yo, Oh, that, that syllable is what's sounding weird. This is, this is awkward. You know, this part, right. You know, like I, I can't have an S right there because it doesn't sound right. Leading into the fucking, the next word. Um, those, those are definitely skills that, you know, time, time, time again, you build. Um, I, I can say this, part of the reason that um, I, I've achieved the, the songwriting level that I'm at is because of repetition. I did out the math, and in my phone, I have 11 different unassigned bar folders, just, just bars that I write that I think of on a day-to-day basis that don't go to anything. And, and I did out the math just based on how many characters I have in each folder. It's enough for like a six to 700 page book. Oh, um, so, you know, it's, it's a lot. So, um, so do you use that practice. stuff and, and kind of piece it together to come up with songs or do you usually write, like when you're working on a song, does that whole process start from beginning to end with one song? Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I've definitely, like my last release is incomplete ass rappers and I've definitely had, um, I like that song by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, that one, I wrote the verse first, the first verse I wrote, um, just, I thought it would be a funny concept for a song 
to to talk shit like just call out all these incomplete rappers that are you know maybe decent at one thing and terrible at another thing um and so then i just found the beat and and the beat fit you know so then i just tweaked a few a few of the syllables you know add a word here take a word out there and um it happened like that but a lot of the time like you said uh or like we talked about earlier i'll i'll have i'll hear the beat and the first thing that comes to me is the flow i know i'm gonna flow on it and then i gotta fill it in with words so so that's you know in that case i probably can't use very many of my unassigned bars um so so it all just depends but like right here like i'm in my unassigned bars right now right here you want to hear some shit that uh that i wrote the other day sure it's um is I would like this to go to a song eventually, but it's got like a very specific bounce to it. It's just like the bounce that I was hearing, you know, while I was writing it, I guess. Um, but it's just, it's just a little, a little verse about like the concept of money and like how people are willing to do like sickening things for money sometimes, but like, I don't have a beat to it yet, but you know, I'll, I'll work with some producers and find the right one. But it's like this. <clears throat> Fun fact. There's a reason rappers only rap about cash. We prefer to make it just to make the time pass. Really, I'm disgusted with the things that I'm doing for a bag. But I ain't got to rap about that. Hit it from the back before I'm calling for a cab. Tuck a rat's in, making sure that she's asleep. Then I'm in the kitchen and I'm taking all the liquor. Get her dinner out the fridge before I'm dipping out the pad. Guarantee she hit his shit and probably get mad. If I see her in the street, I bet I'm going to get smacked. Stealing from my job in the same fucking day ask my boss for a raise i bet i'm gonna get that put it in a rest for i put it in the past i'm a fucking tank and i'm putting in the gas money ain't love but it is a fun drug and it's still the only one that i can smoke with my dad and that's why i got so far but How's you know that? like eventually thanks dude eventually i'd like that to be a song um, yeah so you just build that and then and so do you how do you go about picking beats like is it just something that fits or do you have do you ever have to tweak the words to fit a like you see a beat that you're like okay i want this beat to fit this song or is it just it has to match yeah definitely definitely so like i actually showed a few producers those bars and i and i taught i described like the kind of bounce like the way i wanted the beat to feel and so they've like made me a couple custom beats um and when I listen, you know, when I rap along to them, I'm like, okay, this beat, it almost fits perfect, but I'm just going to have to like maybe add a word to this one line and take this word out. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Nice. Now, do you have any, I mean, you've been in hip hop for a little while. Do you have any good, like kind of wild stories that kind of go along with hip hop? Like, you know anything that happened that would have only happened because you were involved in hip-hop hmm yeah oh yeah i definitely do um the hmm oh that's hard it's hard to choose one the first (laughs) one that comes to mind is uh having the balls to talk to people Asking you shall receive. It's it's a scary thing for some people, myself included sometimes, if I'm feeling insecure. It can be a scary thing when you just met someone and they ask you what you do. And you say, yo, I rap. Like, rap is what I love to do. You know, because it, to some people it sounds like a joke. You know, or, or they, they think rappers are stupid. Or they think rappers are trashy. Or they think, 
you know, that they, they automatically assume you're just like some tool who has no fucking fans, you know? Um, so it can be, it can be like an intimidating thing to say, but if you're willing to tell people about that, that's how you, that's how you get connections in the industry. For example, I told, I was working at a bank at the time and I told this guy that I rapped and I was like, yeah, it's a bummer. Cause you know, I can't get any anywhere. I'm not 21 yet. I can't go to any of these rap nights in Portland. And this guy was like, yo, actually there's something I, there's some place you can go. He's like every, I think it was every Monday night. He's like every Monday night. Um, there are ciphers in this alleyway in Portland. He's like, you know where Exchange Street is, you know, and I did. He's like, go there on Monday, like at, at like nine p.m. That's when they meet up, dude. And so, sure, you know, I brought my, I brought my ass down there. I didn't know anybody. I in I practiced freestyling a few days leading up to it. Can I stop and, you real quick? Yeah. Can you just explain for anybody who doesn't know what a cipher is, what what that, what a cipher is? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so a cipher is just when when you basically gather in a circle and freestyle. Um, you know, whether it's on beatbox or or you're just playing beat tapes. That's what a cipher is. Okay. And um so so I showed up and and uh it, it was a little intimidating at first. Everybody was considerably older than me. Um there was like some a lot of break dancers, a lot of drugs, you know. Um, but it was fun. There's like 30 people in this alley, just kicking it, uh, spitting freestyles, and I birthed my fucking rap career, my rap life, like all the people I know in the city, off alleyway ciphers. That was how I got started. Oh, that's um, how you got. That, so the first time you you rapped, it was at an alleyway cipher. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, no, I, I got in, like, a rap battle in, like, high school. Um, but that was just, like, we were at a party. We were all fucking hammered. You know, it was, like, a joke. But to actually meet people who, like, were trying to do this for a living and shit, you know, and were putting on shows and stuff. Uh, that, you know, it was, like, the start of my actual career. It was Alleyway Cyphers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I love I love those guys. They were so fucking welcoming, you know, very, very accepting. Um, and yeah, I guess that was a cool experience, a cool thing that ha- would not have happened without hip hop. Um, I, I kind of recently got my first co-sign too. Uh, do you know MF Grimm? Uh, say that one more time. Uh, MF Grimm? No. Do you know MF Doom? I do know MF Doom. Okay, so MF Grimm, MF Doom was uh, releasing music under MF Grimm's label. MF Grimm is a rapper as well, um, and he actually gave MF Doom. So you know what MF stands for? Uh, I can't remember. I know it's their that, that's their group name, right? Exactly. Yeah. So MF stands for Metal Face. Metal Face. And so right. like M- MF Doom, you know, he wears like that metal um, that metal mask. Yeah. I first so, heard of the of MF Doom on Sarface's album, the Sarface meets uh, MF Doom. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, so um, so Grim Grim put the MF in in Doom's name, and um, they've released a bunch of music together. MF Doom's biggest song on Spotify is is him and MF Grim. Um, but anyways. Uh, Grim is a friend of mine and, um, 
Yeah, he, he just he found my music like a couple months ago uh, through a contest. He, he was holding a contest and I entered and, um, you know, then, then he found my catalog and, and he uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that he really fucks with me. Uh, and, and, you know, so anyways, that was um, that, that was a, a big moment for me, I guess. That's a to me as like a cool story. And I, I can't say too, too much about you know, our working relationship and, and, um, the, the things that are, that are coming up. But, um, but yeah, I can say that, that, um, you know, that's, that's one of my, uh, you know, that was a big moment for me to have somebody, you know, have like a friend and a mentor with so much experience in the field rather than I've been teaching myself everything, you know, it was right. nice to have somebody that's, uh, can maybe guide me a little bit. And kind of bounce ideas off and shit too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, you know, another weird ass thing, dude. My last girlfriend, like one of the coolest human beings on fucking planet Earth. Her initials are R A P. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I always thought that was like an omen. I'm like, okay, like you know, when we broke up, or even when we were together, I'm like, all right, that is for sure a sign that I need to rap. <laughs> That's my mom's initials too, but she's not a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. She actually, she hates hip hop. It's like her least favorite form of music. <laughs> so that's usually what I put on. Uh, I that's what it. I put on to fuck with her usually. So, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, as before I start wrapping it up here, I just wanted to add, uh, have you tell people kind of where they can find you and, and if you've got anything local that you want to plug right now, any shows coming up, um, where can people find you, like on social media, online, all that stuff? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. My Instagram is jimmy.v.human. And my music's anywhere music is sold. Um I, in terms of shows, um, I got a, a show coming up on January 11th. That's going to be a flask lounge in Portland, Maine. Um, and, and just fucking thank you to all my fans and Benji and Jason, and Sierra, John Regan, um, my whole creative team. You guys are fucking amazing. I owe, I owe you the world. Do you have anything else that you, any other stories or anything else you wanted to tell before we wrap it up here today? Any other good stories? Oh, shit. Oh shit! Any good stories, man? Oh, damn it! Damn it! As soon as we hang off, I'm gonna think of some shit. <laughs> um, all right, no, no, I don't. I don't think I have anything right now. No, um, I didn't want to put you on the spot. We can always have you on again. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. It'll, it'll be my honor. Um, but hell yeah! And shout out Itty Bitty Podcast, dude. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Yeah, I definitely. If you haven't checked out Jimmy the Human, check him out. Um, I'm going to get off the call here in a second. Jimmy, thank you for coming on, and I'll text you and stuff to reach out and let you know when this will air. Um, but thanks again for everybody for tuning in. Um, and Jimmy, again, thanks for coming on the show. Mm, yeah, and thank you for having me, Perry. I appreciate you. All right, later, brother. Take care. All right. Thanks again for tuning in to the Itty Bitty Podcast. If you like the show, subscribe, rate, review, share. Subscribe, rate, review, share. Um, check us out online, ittybittypodcast.com and all our socials, um, Facebooks, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, check out our other podcast, Choice Nugs Only. If you haven't checked that one out too, make sure you follow and subscribe to that one to check out all the latest episodes. 
I'll see you guys next week. I think next week's Thanksgiving, and it's be like our 20th episode. So it should be fun. So we'll see you next week. Peace.